All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. Try adding a sticker right now. I'm, I'm going to show you something new, Alex. Meet Liza oh, yeah? and oh, yeah. Alex. Right. Okay. They've been together for almost two years. They live together, and they're seeing if their smartphones and some of the new tools on them... Oh, those are adorable. Look at those pandas and chickies. ...can improve okay. their relationship, strengthen their bond. All right, don't send me a broken egg. That one's really sad. <laughs> Hi, it's Manoush Samarodi, the host of New Tech City. We don't want to build a hookup app so you can find someone weird to talk to. It's not what we're about. We're about your intimate relationships. And that is a dramatic reading of how the founder of WhatsApp describes his texting service that was, yes, bought by Facebook for about $19 billion. Now, it's just basically a text messaging service. But what WhatsApp does and all its competitors like Line, Viber, Kick, what they do is they let people speak one-on-one, faster, and on the go. And a lot of times, people aren't even texting words to each other. They're texting pictures. They're texting emojis. They're texting stickers, which are like virtual pictures of weird things, as you're about to hear. And so on this week's New Tech City, we see if all these new visual tools are opening up doors for improving communication especially for people who think visually. I just fell in love with emoji immediately, and I I realized that it was exercising this part of my brain that I probably have more faculty with than, than just language. So emojis, these little electronic smiley faces and animal faces that originated in Japan in the late 90s. And that's a guy who translated one of the greatest pieces of Western literature into all emoji characters. You're going to hear about the visual forces that obsessed him, plus a guy whose job it is to actually draw these pictures for messaging apps. In these quick little moments, the imagery can be a lot more efficient. We'll also talk to a computational linguist who can explain what's happening to our brains when we communicate with pictures. If you look at the history of the development of writing systems, going back, say, to Egyptian, to Sumerian, to ancient Chinese, All of them started out with at least some components of pictures of things. Okay, but let's start with our own Alex Goldmark. Hi, Alex. Hi, Manoush. Now, Alex, as New Tech City's senior producer, you are always game for one of my ridiculous challenges. And for this show, you tried to completely eliminate words from your daily text messaging with your girlfriend, Liza. Yes, and I am not a visual thinker. I'm a terrible artist. I can barely no. figure out where to put my name on a, on a tax form. But my girlfriend, Liza Stark, she is very affected by visuals. She's a good artist. She arranged our bookshelf by color. Oh, nice. You know, she's the kind of person who volunteers to do graphic design for other people. So we signed up to be the New Tech City guinea pigs this week pretty eagerly to see if this experiment might help our communication just a little bit. Nice. 
Hi, Liza. Hi, Alex. What are we going to do? What's our experiment? Communicating only through emojis. No words allowed. We can also use other images too, right? Yeah, I guess. Okay, so you and Liza decided to test out your visual communication chops for like a month or so just to see if communicating with just pictures is even possible, right? Yeah, and we didn't jump in blind. We started off by downloading all the apps that we thought might be able to help us, and we made sure that all of our little texting apps had these emojis built and loaded in. Now, by the way, there is a difference between emojis and emoticons, if you were wondering like me. So emoticons are using, like, commas and periods to make a face, but emoji are the actual renderings of smiley faces, animals, shapes of buildings, Depending on how many you download, there are thousands of them, Alex, which I learned. Right. And we decided to go with the app WeChat. It's a Chinese chat app, and it has lots of these things called stickers. These are pictures of cartoon-type characters that usually dance around or do things for a few seconds. And a lot of people, they pay for these virtual stickers, which I think is kind of weird. These, A lot of these apps are making a ton of money off of people buying things that don't actually exist. But anyway, you guys went all in. Well, these are tools for communications, and there are a lot of them. And so we got our visual vocabulary going pretty fast. When you say that, what do you mean? So we had to figure out a way to say simple things like I and and you, (laughs) right? right? Like, you know, who's going to go to the grocery store? Um, This was Liza's favorite part, actually. So you started using this little dude in a helmet that you feel a connection to, to start representing yourself. So right now I'm looking at an emoji that um, has this little dude in the helmet, and then a can guy we, walking. We, it's not a helmet. It's a baseball hat. It's not like I'm... It's a I'm, helmet. It looks like a helmet. It's not... That makes it sound like I'm, you know, like I'm worried about hitting my head all the time. Well, it looks like a bike helmet. Oh, on yours, it does kind of look like a bike helmet. <laughs> on mine, it looks just like a bike hat. The point is that you have this little dude, and then a guy walking, and then a bus. So that is your way of saying, me, Alex, I am walking to go get on some form of transportation to come home to you. That was something that I thought was so inventive of you. Oh my God, I am loving this, Alex. This sounds completely nuts and surreal. Show me now a standard conversation between you and Liza. What is this one? (laughs) This is a picture of nostrils with a thumbs up and a thumb down. You were asking her if her nose was still stuffy? Yes, exactly. I love this. She was feeling sick. Okay. And here's another one. Okay. So she sends me that. Girl house clock. She's going home at 8.30? Yeah. And you sent her hearts, saying, that's nice. So then she sends this picture. A thumbs down, a boy, face, a house, and sleeping. She's telling me no, that I should come home and go to sleep, and that's a picture of her with an angry face pointing at her bed. Uh. I'm going to go to bed (laughs) because she knows I'm feeling kind of sick. Oh. And then you, you sent her a smile, like a laughing smiley face. You appreciated her emoji humor. So, Alex, looking at these, like, it's obvious there are some things that are just perfect for picture messaging. But I guess some other stuff is, like, way harder. Did using just emoji, photos, stickers, did it change what you would say to Liza? Yeah, yeah, it did. I found myself willing to send a lot more what you might call cheesy affectionate messages. Like Hot that, stuff. Like that heart you saw. And that... Other one. (laughs) Bunnies kissing. Yes, it's very cute. It's easier just to tap a button, right, and to send a nervous bunny rabbit like that than it might be for me to actually type it out and say what I'm thinking, right, to write I miss you. And also that just gets stale. It's just the same words over and over again. Frankly, bunny rabbit, cheesy as it is, it works. And it makes sense. I'm not the first person to try to do this. There's an extremely long history 
of people trying to talk with images. So I'm Richard Sprout, and I have a PhD in linguistics from MIT back in... Manoush, he worked for AT&T Bell Labs. He's been an academic. I am now a research scientist at Google. The reason you contacted me, as I understand it, is that uh, I have a long-standing interest in writing systems. I've written a couple of books on the topic, and uh, in general, I'm interested in how we can use graphical symbols to communicate. This guy knows talking with pictures inside and out. And he says people have been using pictures to communicate since the dawn of written language, or even before it. If you look at the history of the development of writing systems, going back, say, to Egyptian, to Sumerian, to ancient Chinese... All of them started out with at least some components of of what you might call ideographs. So there were pictures of things. An ideograph is like a drawing of a dog. It is the idea of the dog straight into your brain. You see it, you think of a dog. Now, if you see the word D-O-G, you read it, you maybe say the sounds in your head, maybe you say the word dog in your head, then poof, a picture of a golden retriever. Okay, so that's what images are better at. Right. They're more instant, faster comprehension for simple messages. For simple message. His main point is that images are certainly getting easier to share now and to incorporate into text communications because of smartphones, emoji lexicons, and so forth, so that they're enhancing communication, but not much more than that, he says. But it's limited. Right. I mean, there's how many emojis are there? Maybe a few hundred, a few thousand. Um, You could add more. But uh, if you think about the vocabulary of the average speaker is in the many tens of thousands of words. And that's just in our heads. A dictionary has hundreds of thousands of words. So we're never going to replace words with pictures the way Sprout sees it. Not all words, anyway. And he feels pretty sure that we won't because somebody tried to do it. Ah like really, really tried for years and years to make a language completely out of symbols. This starts during World War II. The man's name is Charles Bliss. He was a, uh, an Austrian Jew who was um, actually interned for a while, in, I think, in Dachau and Buchenwald. His wife gets him out, though, and they have to flee. Bliss has a cousin in Shanghai, so they head east to a place with a completely different language with symbols, right? Single characters to represent spoken words. No more letters. He was kind of bitten by the bug that many people who are first exposed to Chinese writing are bitten by, which is the idea that, oh, these, these symbols convey meanings directly. They're ideographic. That's wrong. We know Chinese writing doesn't work that way. But the idea sticks. What if the symbols could represent ideas directly? I mean, I can totally understand why that would appeal to him. Bliss is there in China. He's an Austrian refugee wishing he could communicate better. Exactly. And he imagines instead of dog, D-O-G, or the Chinese symbol that you have to memorize for dog, instead we could have a graphic representation of dog that everyone, even a toddler, would know what it meant. Intuitive, simple. Uh, you look at it. I mean, you would still have to learn it, but it would, it would come naturally because it was so simple. Self-evident even. That's the promise and the hope of symbols, or what Charles Bliss called, you're going to like this, Bliss symbols. Mm, I do like that. It would be very easy to learn them. And uh, once you learn them, you would be able to communicate anything to anybody in the world. Kids wouldn't be illiterate because it would be so easy to learn this. It was kind of a universal brotherly love kind of idea. A global language, kind of like what Esperanto was supposed to be in a way, but visual. Same idea. Awesome. For physically reading, not, not for translating into computer. And Bliss spends decades on this. He's making thousands of these Bliss symbols. He moves to Australia, and he even then gets some support from some big intellectual names like Bertrand Russell, the British philosopher. So Bliss plods on to try and make it a complete language. Which is where it gets complicated. If he wanted to represent uh, different kinds of waterfowl, well, you've got a duck. Well, you can represent a bird over the water. 
Okay, that gives you duck. Well, what about swan? Well, that's going to be waterfowl number two. <laughs> and then goose would be waterfowl number three. I may have got these backwards. But the point is the general idea was that you, know, you have these arbitrary indices – so you have to have a reference book to, yeah, to read this language? Yeah, I basically. Mean, you have to learn it, and it becomes every, every bit as complicated as an ordinary writing system. So the clean clarity basically collapses after a certain point when things get a little detailed. Right. After too many symbols, it just doesn't work. These were good for just basic messages. Arguably, the symbols are better for them and for helping people get past a communications barrier. And in that sense, Bliss was right. They were unifying. And that, Manoush, is why they are still around. Wait, really? Yeah. Uh, the, the way the system is, uh, is used today, it is still in use. Um, it's used by children who have severe cognitive deficits and severe communications disorders, basically mentally retarded, severe autism, who will probably never be able to speak uh, using ordinary language, but do seem to be able to communicate using a small set of these symbols, maybe a few hundred of these or a few thousand of these symbols. It seems to be effective for that. When I asked Sprout for some advice on how I might communicate in images with my girlfriend better, he just doubled down on the lesson from Charles Bliss. Of all of the people who have tried to do this, he probably worked the hardest to do it, and still it wasn't, it wasn't possible. Okay, so not that encouraging. If Charles Bliss couldn't do it, can Alex Goldmark? Well, we made some progress and we hit some roadblocks. It's almost midnight. We're both back home. We sent a lot of text messages today. None of them had text or words. Now, Alex, I have a very important question here. <laughs> Are yeah. you drunk? Uh, maybe a little tipsy. <laughs> but that's just good throw in the field user testing. It was an instructive evening of text experimentation. Oh, gross. I dove in head first. And you sent a couple especially complicated ones. Yes, I did. Why did you do that? I did that because we had made plans earlier in the day to meet up, and I arrived at my destination only to encounter a friend who was in a situation that I thought might not be the best for you to come into. Oh, that was a warning not to come. Yeah. Okay, so I was a little confused by the skull. <laughs> the skull? I mean, that can't be good. I'm thinking pirates. I'm thinking danger. I'm thinking poison. You couldn't get that one, Alex? I mean, <laughs> Liza got on a lot faster to this than I did, and she realized it works best when you can be literal with the icons, right, and kind of treat them like they are Chinese characters, that each one means a word or a sound that could add up to a word, like toilet plus paper equals toilet paper. <laughs> so I sent you a pair of girls, and then I sent you what looks like a, a older woman's face. And then a skull, and then a sad face with a little tear, and then an Alex face with a red circle with a strike through it, so I don't, and then a bus, and then drinks. So where I had said, Alex, come to drinks earlier in the day, this is me saying, Alex, a friend of my older family member has died. We are having girls' night. Do not come to drinks. So a friend of hers was dealing with a death in the family. Right, and I had completely missed that. Oh I thought she was saying she was with a gray-haired friend and was sad I was not joining her Cause, for drinks. Because it's all about you, right, Alex? <laughs> <sighs> we skirted disaster there. I did find it an interesting challenge to try and relay something to you that felt a little heavy and a little sad and 
a little pressing without being able to tape things to you. There are tons of stickers in these chat apps that we had to choose from, right? But they just weren't appropriate. Lots of cute and not much grieving and somber. But, you know, I'm scrolling through these, and it is pretty clear that these stickers were made with some serious thought about how they'd be used. Like, there's there's some shades of emotion. But to me, anyway, it feels like they're made for a teenage range of emotions. There's lots of flirting and lots of outrage, a few about complaining about homework, lots of random animals. Uh, So I, I was confused, and I wanted to find out... Who is choosing what images that I get is my vocabulary because it's affecting what I can say? So you mean the person who actually draws the pictures and pixelates them? Yes, I do. Basically, it comes down to what is the most fun. David Lanham has designed a bunch of sticker sets for Facebook and the social network path. And that means he comes up with the central character, usually an animal, and then 40 expressions. That's what he called them, that each sticker character does. Mm, I think my favorite would be the Napoli set. It's really like how that one came out with the colors. And Napoli is a small creature that is basically made out of ice cream. As in Neapolitan ice cream with three flavors. I'm looking at a picture of it here, and it's like a popsicle that has a face, basically. And Lanham has to figure out <laughs> how that popsicle can speak for us. Um, it's probably not everyone's favorite, but I really like the one where it's old and wrinkled because it looks like the dehydrated astronaut ice cream. And just for those days when you're not quite feeling yourself, you're a little bit run down. Wrinkled. He feels wrinkled. It's very visual. Lanham says that he tries to think of expressions that you might make during the course of the day. There are others where the characters are drinking uh, coffee and waking up in the morning or brushing their teeth. But for the most part, it's it's very emotion-oriented feelings, not proper nouns. Uh, with the um, stickers for Facebook, they did some research on their end to um, nail a set of like 60 expressions that um, you can express with just your face. And that was kind of our starting point. They started with the basics, happy, sad, angry. As it went on, we discovered that it wasn't just expressions, but also activities that were really resonating with people. Okay, and so I'm back on his website, and there is a sheep vomiting, which is (laughs) pretty obvious what that's expressing. And then another one, like it's a koala bear wearing a pink fuzzy robe looking kind of sleepy with a mug. So I figured uh, the guy who could come up with that knew something that I didn't about communicating with images, right? I'm still on my hunt here. He was going to explain to me how this new lexicon I was struggling with, how it came to be, and the secret logic behind it, and how I could do better with my texting experiment with my girlfriend. And did he have the secret for you? He had a strategy that did kind of help, yeah. Uh, Well, if you only use the heart ones, I think you'll be okay. (laughs) I think the parts that worked really well were for communicating emotions and feelings. So sometimes during the day, I'll admit it to the radio, I'll text you things like, I love you. And this week, I couldn't do that. And most of the images that were in our apps that we used happened to be like cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. How would you say it made you feel to get these creatures doing things compared to when I text you? It was so much better. It felt fuller than if you had sent something. Which, I mean, somebody telling you that you love them is a great and beautiful and wonderful thing. But getting those stickers, getting those emojis was a sort of different experience. Alex, a different experience, and Liza preferred it. 
she preferred that you sent her like a wombat looking sheepish to express your feelings than if you wrote it in plain old black and white. Okay, so great for the love stuff, but way worse for grocery shopping, logistics, anything without context. Which is why we thought it was so crazy, Alex, when we heard that the most recent entry into the Library of Congress is a version of the epic tale Moby Dick, done all in emoji. Emoji Dick. Chase that white whale on both sides of land and over all sides of earth till he spouts black blood and rolls dead out. That, by the way, is the sound of the 1956 movie adaptation with Gregory Peck. And Alex, what is up with the digital update 60 years later? This is weird. Okay, the man behind it is Fred Benenson. He works at Kickstarter in Brooklyn, and I invited him into the studio to explain it. I guess whenever I think about solving a problem or thinking about something, I'm always trying to visualize it. Fred realized that he was really good at choosing the right emoji for the right sentence or the emotion or thought. And he decides to take his talent to the extreme. And I was like, oh, maybe I can make a whole book of this. Maybe I can like write a novel in emoji. And that's where the, the idea started forming. But he doesn't write a novel. He translates one. He thinks of what is the hardest, longest, most challenging book he could possibly try to tackle. He kicks around a few ideas, including the Bible, and then settles on Moby Dick. All right. Let me give you a little reading. With a philosophical flourish, Cato throws himself upon his sword. I quietly take to the ship. And this is like two smokestacks, then some waves, and then these look like they're Japanese characters to me, and then some lipstick. I'm doing this in front of Fred Benenson. I guess that's the flourish, maybe? Perhaps. And, the, and that, but this one doesn't have a ship in it. <laughs> the Call Me Ishmael house has a sailboat. This one, I don't, there's no ship. Do, do they all have to have ships after that point? I don't know. It's, well, if it's a ship, right. So I'm looking for right. word for word. Like, right. like I'm I, thinking Japanese characters or something like that is, is a character means a word. To be clear, the book has both emoji and English side by side. And he didn't personally translate the whole thing. He used a crowdsourcing service called Mechanical Turk where you can shop out tiny little tasks to hundreds of people. Wait, quick segue. How does that work? Mechanical Turk. Each sentence was translated by a few different people into emoji, getting paid a few pennies for each sentence. Then another group of people voted on each sentence and approved the translations. Right, The most popular, the best ones became official. They got paid pennies for the voting. And then Benenson stitches it all together into a somewhat confusing but very impressive tome. I fully admit that there are large portions of the book that don't make any sense. And there are a number of reasons for that, right? Some of it could just be it was impossible to tell that sentence. Well, I got to say, it's reminding me of when I took this Shakespeare class in college that was called like feminism and homophobia in Shakespeare. And you could kind of read the text and then tell the professor anything you wanted in terms of looking into the meaning of the words, because it's not like Shakespeare is going to be there to be like, oh, no, that's not what I meant at all. It's almost like he's reading Moby Dick and then interpreting it into his emoji and it's we can't say he's wrong, right? And it's teaching us something about language along the way. Yeah, Fred made a, uh, almost the exact same comparison, actually. Part of the fun of the book and the project was that contrast and that tension and that dissonance of like, how, how could you choose a smokestack when you're trying to represent philosophy? Like, what does that mean? Why did you do that? And just what you went through right there. Like, you're relating to, 
you know, a struggle that many a high school or college student probably went through just interpreting Melville. But then he probably actually went through writing that sentence. And it brings a new relationship to the text that I think is really exciting and, and fun. The images are enhancing communication, right? He says Mm -hmm. that he's been contacted by a couple of English professors and heard that a few of them are even including the text in classes. Hmm. So maybe emojis are getting taken more seriously as a mode of expression. And it wasn't really until this year that the interest in emoji as a pop culture phenomenon caught up so that like emoji dick wasn't totally insane to most people who heard about it. Okay, so kind of crazy, but not totally insane. Right in our wheelhouse. You know, Alex, I find this whole thing fascinating. Some people just think visually. They think in pictures. And now with emoji and stickers, they can write visually too. We can snap photos. We can send them with a tap. We can choose weird bunny stickers and use it to communicate with our special someones. Maybe we're seeing the coming of age of a new kind of talking. What do you think, Alex? It's the end of your experiment. Are you and Liza a couple that communicates best with images? For some things, we probably will from now on, yeah. I don't think in pictures in my head. I think in stories and chains of causation, if anything. So no, this wasn't the easiest test for me, but it actually it helped. And, and it helped Liza, too. It helped us to understand how much it is that we say to each other that is a result of what we're using to speak to each other, if that makes sense. So you mean like the text message box. That's your tool, and it right. changes how you talk. Right. We had been unthinkingly creating messages that fit into 160-character text message formats, um, You know, things that are easy to type on the fly, all very clear and utilitarian, but emotionally like, like token gestures. And so when we had this imagery, which was better for emotions, my emotional vocabulary grew a little, at least for the smartphone conversation part of our relationship. And the emoticons that that I could fit into chat messages actually helped me say more. You were a better flirter. Yes, I got a little little better. The winking bunny goes a long way, let me tell you. Okay, just to embarrass him some more, you can see some of the emoji conversations that Alex and Liza had. And a few of the stickers that enhanced their romance, or whatever you want to call it, they're on our website, newtechcity.org. <laughs> Tell your friends to check it out, too. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. That was Alex Goldmark. A very special thank you to Liza Stark for embracing this guinea pig texting imagery adventure. This is New Tech City, and we'll see you next week. Are we going to keep doing this? I don't know. It's definitely a challenge. What's this last one here? No comment. (laughs) Can't say that on the radio, huh? No.